0: In this episode of Two Thousand Bucks, serial entrepreneur Jay Baer, founder of five multi-million-dollar ventures, talks to us about why we can sell more by selling less and how to accomplish exactly that in our business today. Well, hello, hello, my ambitious friends, and welcome to 2000 Books, where we bring you the most important actionable ideas from the world's greatest books for ambitious entrepreneurs. Books in the field of startups, marketing, sales, productivity, management, leadership, strategy, self-help, and much more. And I'm your host, Manny Vaya. Jay Bear is a serial entrepreneur having started five multi-million dollar ventures. He is also a venture capitalist, technical advisor, and founder of Convince & Convert, a strategy consulting firm that helps companies gain and keep customers. Today we're talking about his bestseller, Utility, why smart marketing is about help, not hype. Jay, I'm really excited to have you on the show today. Welcome. Oh, thanks very much, Manny. I'm delighted to be here. What a cool
1: program. Uh, I have not read 2,000 books in the <laughs> quick amount of time that you have, but I'm looking at my library right now and I have an awful lot of books, uh, especially books about marketing, which is convenient because that's what we're going to talk about today.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And uh, your book is one of the essentials for marketing today. So that's why we want to dig into it and learn about the book. So um, so yeah, definitely. And let's, let's get into it. Why should an ambitious entrepreneur read this book?
1: Well, I think it's, it's, it turns out um, that, that how we do marketing has really changed. It's changed a tremendous amount just in the last few years. Today, customers are in control of the messages they receive from businesses. They, they can ignore messages like never before. They can send you to the spam box. They can delete your message. They can use ad blockers. They can use DVRs and skip the commercials, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so It's gotten much, much more difficult to reach customers using the playbooks that have been in practice in marketing for a really, really, really long time. Uh, It's much, much harder to break through and connect with prospective customers. And so utility gives you a new way. It says, instead of trying to focus on top of mind awareness, which is something that we've talked about in business for generations, Mm -hmm. instead of focusing on top of mind awareness, what if... We instead try to achieve something that's closer to friend of mine awareness. How could you provide something of, of material interest to prospective customers that would allow you to develop a relationship with those customers that's something closer to the relationship that you have with your actual friends? So utility is a recipe uh, for helping businesses connect with customers who frankly don't want to listen to advertising and marketing anymore.
0: Great, great. So it's a, as you said, it's a recipe for connecting with customers rather than shouting from the top of the rooftops anymore. Yeah, it doesn't
1: work anymore. I mean, everybody knows that. Like if you ask any business person and any customer to say, hey, does the shouting louder process work anymore? Nobody thinks it works. And so this is uh, an option. It's an antidote. It's, It's a way to succeed using a totally different approach.
0: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So what led you to writing this book? What's your business story that led you to writing Utility?
1: So I have uh, been an entrepreneur for a really long time. Um, I have started uh, five uh, multimillion dollar companies from scratch, most of them in the online space. I started in online marketing in 1993, which is wow. about as really as you could have been in online marketing. <laughs> That's right. That's it so,
0: was... so long ago, like people free browser. Probably... Yeah.
1: Pre-browser, pre-browser, pre-Yahoo, pre-Google by far, pre-anything actually. Uh, and I have seen, I have lived this whole transition from the old way of doing marketing where, look, if you were a local business uh, and you wanted to reach your customers, you buy one ad on the radio or one ad in the local newspaper or one direct mail piece and your work is done. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was it. It wasn't that hard. Uh, and of course that doesn't work as well anymore. And so I I sort of witnessed that evolution myself for the last 20, 25 years.
0: That is and amazing. Started,
1: yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, right? It's a, it's a long journey. And so I started to see, uh, in my consulting business, the company I own now called convince and convert, we do lots of consulting on these type of themes, mostly for larger companies. And I, I kept finding that we had to come up with something different to, to break through the enormous clutter uh, that we're all faced with. And so I said, hey, what if we created marketing that people actually want to receive mm-hmm. instead of creating marketing that people simply tolerate? What if marketing was as good as a product? What if marketing was as good of a service? What if marketing was so useful people would pay for it because it's that level of of useful? And so we started to do some of that for clients. But then I'll tell you the story exactly how this happened. So like six years ago, five years ago, something like that. Um, My friend Joe Palizzi, who is the the founder of the Content Marketing Institute, uh, runs a conference called Content Marketing World, which is the largest content marketing conference. And it was the first year of the conference. And he said, Jay, would you come and speak and do like a a mini session, like a TED Talk, something to just kind of get people fired up? I said, sure, I would love to do that. That'd be fun. Well, It's like three months before that talk. I thought, I should come up with a topic (laughs) to do that. I should figure figure out what I'm going to say at this conference. Uh, And that same summer, I was on vacation with my family in Canada. And we drove across Alberta and we ended up in Banff. And Banff, for those uh, who haven't been there, is a lovely, lovely tourist destination, mountains and lakes and bald eagles and pine trees. It's really quite spectacular. Lots of tourists. Mm -hmm. And because there are so many tourists, there's lots of bars and restaurants. Because there's so many bars and restaurants and tourists, there's lots and lots of taxi drivers in Banff. So I'm going to all these different uh, bars and restaurants, a couple of days I'm there, and in every place I go, at the front counter, there's a folded up really, really yellow piece of paper, like the super bright yellow piece of paper. And I look at it, and it says, uh, Taxi Mike's Guide to Where to Eat in Banff. I'm like, well, what is this all about? And it turns out it's a guy who is a taxi driver, one-man taxi driver, taxi Mike, total entrepreneur, who once a quarter would create a dining guide for Banff best place for cheap drinks, best place for outdoor patio, best place that's got macaroni and cheese for the kids. He's like a one-man trip advisor. And he put a little map of downtown on the cover and just handed it out to all the bars and restaurants. And it's so useful that all the bars and restaurants would put it on the front counter and encourage tourists to take it with them. Well, at the end of the night, when you're like, I got to figure out how to get back to my hotel, you don't need to ask the bartender to call you a taxi because in your pocket is this very yellow, crumpled up piece of paper, yellow, you know, map On the front, you've been looking at all night, and right on the cover, it says Taxi Mike and his phone number. Hmm. And I thought, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Here's a guy who drives a taxi, who is creating content, who is creating a piece of marketing that essentially has nothing to do with driving a taxi, but yet has everything to do with driving a taxi. He's just taking the long game. He's giving me something of value so that I will reward him eventually. And I thought, geez, that's really fascinating. I wonder if there's other businesses that are doing that kind of marketing. And simultaneously, we had started doing some of the same kind of work for our clients. And so I started to look around and I found that, wow, there is there are there are lots of companies that are trying to do this, play the long game and reward potential customers with with content and information of real value. Uh, and I thought that should be what I should talk about at this conference. So I'm like, yeah, that's it. This kind of useful marketing. It's useful. It's marketing that's useful. Uh, that's that's going to be my topic for this speech. Uh, and about two weeks after I got back from Canada, I was in the shower, uh, and the word and the name utility, which is, uh, spelled Y O U utility, uh, just popped into my head, like just, just, like just popped into my head, like lightning. I'm like, that's it. That's the title of the speech. Uh, and I gave the speech and it was uh, massively well received and I gave another speech and they loved it I'm like, I'm going to make a book out of this. And so I did.
0: Nice, nice, and uh, the story of Taxi Mike is pretty, pretty amazing. And, and in some ways, I mean, the businesses that are succeeding today, that's why that's what they're doing. I mean, it's information or it's educational marketing rather than marketing that's just being imposed upon us. And I think you talk about that in the book, the whole idea of turning marketing upside down. Um, And you touched upon it a little bit when we started talking about going from top of mind awareness to friend of mind awareness. But in between, there was the frame of mind awareness. So let's let's kind of explain. Top of mind awareness was the idea when we were just shouting from the top of our voice where or shouting from rooftops because that was the only way we could get to customers. But then frame of mind came about.
1: Yeah, and frame of mind awareness is is what happened uh, sort of in the interim, as you mentioned, and that's the idea that when you're ready, um, you can be found. So frame of mind awareness is very tied to uh, search engine marketing and, and other uh, Yellow Pages advertising, things that, that fulfill demand. So I have cold feet. Therefore, I am going to go to Google and I'm going to type cold feet or socks and into Google. And then I'm going to find your business, your sock emporium. uh, And you are using frame of mind awareness to sell me because I'm in the frame of mind that I need your product. And I'm in the frame of mind that I'm ready to buy. Uh, And it's very effective. And I used to be in the search marketing business at one point. Uh, It works great. But the problem is, it's not the whole solution. Like you can't run an entire business, almost never almost never can you run an entire business just based on frame of mind awareness because you are only fulfilling demand. You're not creating demand. Nobody ever, ever, ever goes to Google and says, I've got some money in my pocket, surprise me. <laughs> like it doesn't happen like that, right? It's only it's only like, oh, I need socks, therefore you're the sock guy. Um, and and you, that's just not enough of demand creation. And that's why utility uh, plus frame of mind awareness, plus a little bit of top of mind awareness, you still have to have some broad awareness. It all works together, right? It, it's, it's all a system where you, you put a little of this, a little of that, and a little of this, and it's actually successful.
0: Right. And, mean that's what you, when you, when you refer to the friend of mind awareness, we were talking about the whole social revolution and the idea that now, um, on my Facebook, I discover new products that I had no idea existed. They just pop up in my feed.
1: Yeah. And sometimes it's an ad, but more times than not, it's something that your friend mentioned, right? Literally a friend. It's, it's the, it's, you know, it's word of mouth, um, amplified to an amazing, amazing degree. Uh, and businesses can do that too. Like bu- businesses can, can be your friend. It doesn't just have to be actual people.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, for and example
1: i'm holding my hand i'm literally holding my hand because i just got back from chicago and picked this up it's almost like taxi mike 2.0 it's a map and it was it was published and, and printed uh by the company warby parker and warby parker is featured in the book uh and, and they are a manufacturer and retailer of eyeglasses mm-hmm. uh, and you go to warbyparker.com and they also have some retail stores i'm actually wearing warby parker glasses right now and I went to their store in Chicago uh, last week when I was giving a speech there and I needed some new sunglasses and so I went there to try some on and right in the middle of the shop is this rack of maps, like the one I'm holding right now. I'm like, oh, what's this map? That's pretty cool and the map is called the best spots to sit and read a book in Chicago. And when you fold it when you when you fold this thing out, right? I'm doing it right now. When mm. you fold it out, it has a map of Chicago and all the cool places that you could sit and read a book and some suggestions of what books you might want to read, things like that. Now, there is nothing on here other than their name that says and you should buy eyeglasses from us. Mm. Because you see they trust that customers and prospective customers will reward them eventually for doing something useful like that. And that's the key principle to utility, is understanding the power of eventually. And it's really, really hard because right now in marketing and in business, everything we listen to, everything we read, everything we hear tells us that we need to be faster, 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 right? Mm -hmm. Everybody says be faster. But yet in this sort of utility world, you actually, in many cases, develop relationships with people and with companies more slowly over time, a little bit at a time, the same way that you develop real friendships. You're not best friends with somebody in 10 minutes. It takes time. And the same thing is true in business. And that's why utility is the way that you can make this happen. Give somebody something that they want. Give them something else. Give them something else. Give them something else. And eventually they become a customer.
0: Yeah, we're. I mean, this is this is really marketing for the long game for for those 100%. of us. Who, yes, absolutely. And and I think you say that beautifully in the book. You say the balance of persuasive power is moving from persuasion to information. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like the old ways of doing. In some ways, uh, when we talk about the top of mind awareness, it was the copywriting, like being able to persuade people right. <laughs> through your right. pen. But now, For the media
1: buy, right? Let's let's yeah. buy more commercials.
0: Yeah, yeah. The the person who can buy more commercial wins. That right. was that was the strategy back then. But now we're we're educating in in various ways, like Warby Parker Parker doing it in such a different way compared to what Marcus Sheridan was doing. I mean, the guy who wrote your preface, I guess, of the book. Yes, mm-hmm. and um, and what uh, Taxi Bike did, but all in their own ways, help the customers get to their product in the end
1: absolutely that's right
0: yeah um so you talk about you know the process of or in some ways the components or the ways of providing utility one of which is self-serve information that we just mm-hmm. kind of touched upon um the other one you talk about is radical transparency talk tell to, tell us about that why is that important
1: well your your friends tell you the truth mm. that's why they're friends. And, and businesses can do the same way, do the same kind of thing. See, a lot of what, what works in marketing now is trust. There's always competitors who, who essentially sell the same thing that you sell, right? People are oh, I've got a better mousetrap. Nobody sells that. Well, that's not going to be true for very long. Um, you always have competition that that have fundamentally the same things that you have. And so in many cases, what makes you more successful than them is that customers trust you. They have a kinship with you. They have a belief in you that's disproportionate to the belief they have in your competition. And the best way to develop that kind of trust, that kind of relationship is to be disproportionately open and honest. It kind of shocks people uh, into wanting to do business with you. We've all heard, Uh, the saying that we want to do business with people that we know and people that we like and people that we trust. Mm -hmm. The same thing applies to businesses. And so if you can find a way to be more open and honest than customers expect you to be, it builds trust and and you can use utility to do that. So one of my favorite examples from the book that I still talk about all the time uh, is McDonald's. Mm -hmm. So McDonald's has this program that started in Canada and then it went to Australia And then it launched in the U.S. um, late 2014, I believe. Um, And it's called Our Food, Your Questions. And the way it works is there's a special website, Our Food, Your Questions. And you can go on there and you can ask any question you want of McDonald's uh, about their food. You can ask them any question. And, And tens of thousands of people have asked questions. And millions of people have read the questions. And McDonald's answers them all. And the questions aren't fake, right? They're not. You know, the questions aren't written by the marketing department. They're real questions from people, and most of them uh, are are a little bit like you're like, "Oh, that's kind of touchy," you know. They say, "Well, do you use pink slime in your burgers?" And uh, how come the food that I see on the commercial looks one way, and then when I get the food through drive-through, it looks totally different? <laughs> and so the kind of things like, look, when I was when I was first in business. Uh, I worked for a big company at one point. And I remember what you do when you get questions like that. The first thing you do when you get a question like that is you delete it. <laughs> that's what we used to do. We just delete it. Be like, ah, I don't know. The internet ate it. I don't know what happened, man. Sorry. Uh, that's what we would do, right? But you don't do that anymore because what that is, when somebody asks you a difficult question, it's an opportunity to use information and utility to build trust that wins customers' hearts and minds. And so for that question, the how come the food looks different on the commercial, McDonald's actually shot like a 10 minute video with their director of marketing behind the scenes and showed exactly how a TV commercial gets shot with food and they showed the people using tweezers to place the sesame seeds perfectly and like using scissors to make the pickles perfectly round the whole deal right and they're like we're not hiding anything this is how we do it but important point every single Particle of the food that we use in this commercial is the same food that we serve in the restaurants. In fact, we get all the supplies from the nearest restaurant. We just doctor it up a little bit, but it's the same food. Uh, And that requires a level of corporate commitment and guts and commitment to trust and transparency that you don't expect from somebody like McDonald's uh, Mm. and changes perception. They tracked. In Canada, they track the effectiveness of that program. They they put a lot of money into it, and they found a sixteen percent increase in trust across the entire nation amongst a group of customers that McDonald's calls the skeptical consumers—the people who are like, "Oh, McDonald's, gross." A sixteen percent increase in trust amongst a whole country uh, has huge, huge, huge financial impact. So it absolutely works.
0: Yeah, absolutely, this is this is this is really. Uh... Amazing. The stats themselves are amazing. But um, I want to, like, this is something that I think early on in the business I've struggled with, the idea that uh, letting people behind the scenes or telling too much about yourself or um, uh, putting all the information out there. Uh, I have... I, or let me ask you this, do you, do you feel that when you make the business so personal, it's difficult to scale it because then the business kind of becomes your own extension of your own personal brand?
1: There's a difference between making it personal and making it human.
0: Hmm.
1: So you don't want to make it personal about one person, but you do want to make it human, which is about the fact that yes, this is a company but every company is a collection of great individuals and we're going to interact with you on an individual level. It especially matters in customer service even more so than marketing. Uh, but I, I, I certainly understand your question. In fact, I've uh, struggled with that myself so I'm the most well-known person in my company, uh, but there's a number of people that work with me who are very, very great, uh, bright and uh, have also written books and give speeches and are terrific consultants. Uh, but in many cases, people think of the company as me and it's definitely mm-hmm. not me. Uh, and so always trying to make sure that people know it's it's us, not me, uh, can be a challenge for entrepreneurs in particular.
0: Is there, is there some strategy you have adopted to make sure that the business is not just... Jay Bohr, but it's actually Convince and convert.
1: Wherever possible, um, you know, I, I I use the convince and convert brand unless it's about speaking, right? So so Jay Baer is the speaking brand. Uh, convince and convert is, is everything else. Media, blogs, podcasts, um, you know. It, consulting, everything else. And then wherever possible, I really try to transfer thought leadership as much as possible. So I'm trying to get as many speaking gigs for other people on my team as possible, encouraging people on my team to, to write books. Um, we just started a new interview series. You might be interested in this, uh, called talk digital to me. And we're doing Mm -hmm. a a twice monthly uh, interview series where we actually have a professional hostess. It's not me, it's a professional hostess from third party who interviews, uh, A different person who works at convince and convert every two weeks uh for an hour about what do you do in the company you know what do you know and and it's sort of to showcase them as a thought leader um and 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 then we promote those videos and and send those videos out to current clients and embed them on our website so there's lots of little things that 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 i have learned to do over time to make it more of a we and not a me
0: Mm, great great Okay, so let's now talk. Let's move. Let's move a little bit and talk about how to put this all into action, how, or and, or not in action per se. But, but how, what's the process uh, of the the process for creating utility? I think the first thing you talk about is identifying customer needs. Uh, tell us about that.
1: Yeah. So we the problem that most companies have with their marketing is they're like, well, we have this thing. Do you want this thing? And instead of thinking about, okay, what what do these people need that we can provide them, even if what that is is not our product, right? So you're sort of taking two or three steps back. So for example, let's talk about Taxi Mike again. Um, people in Banff need to know where to eat because there's lots of restaurants and they need to know where to drink. And then eventually they need a taxi. But the smart part about that is to focus on the first need, right? Which is where should I eat? Where should I drink? Right. And so every company can do that. And that requires you to actually understand your customers perhaps better than you do today. Uh, It can be accomplished through surveys. It's better accomplished through actual conversations with customers and say, okay, what what is it that you need? Like what what is your life like? Tell me about what you do and and you 've got to make it much, much bigger than just about your your product or your service. Let me give you another example. I wrote mm-hmm. a book called uh, Utility for Real Estate," which are all these same concepts only for the real estate business. Lots and lots of realtors out there, most of their marketing is terrible. Uh, it shouts, it's not useful, et cetera. And so one of my ideas in there was, look, every city uh, has a bunch of youth sports, right? Kids playing Little League and soccer and basketball and all that stuff. Well, there's never any like roundup of the scores or the standings or what happened uh, because the newspaper, local newspapers aren't covering that anymore because they don't have any reporters, right? They're, they're all going out of business. They don't have anybody to go cover Little League. And so I thought if you wanna go be the best realtor in your town cut a deal with each of the little leagues and have the commissioner, of the little league every Sunday night, email you the scores of all the games. And then mm-hmm. you create an email Monday morning. That is, here's the little league and soccer and basketball wrap up from the weekend. Uh, and you put the scores and the highlights and some little, you know, words in there. And then you send that out to all of your customers that you already have in the town who will then forward it to all their friends who will then subscribe. And all of a sudden you will have an email list of 2000 parents in your town who, you know, have kids who are eventually going to need to buy a house. That's how you focus on customer needs and eventually sell them a house.
0: So in this case, in the case of this uh, realtor who goes about getting this information or the way you're proposing, uh, what have they done to identify the customer needs? Like, how did they go about that process?
1: Yeah, so, so it's, it's a process of talking to existing customers and, and, and just understanding what their pain is. Even if that pain has nothing to do with your business, right? So it's, hey, I was having lunch with a customer who were talking about uh, their kids' baseball game, and I said, oh, what what place are they in in the standings? Like I don't really know because the standings aren't updated anywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, bing. That's a pain point. You write that down, right? And if you listen aggressively, you'll start to see patterns like that emerge. And then you solve some of those problems, and all of a sudden, you get yourself an amazing utility.
0: Right. I mean, again, we're talking about the long game here. So, um, of it's course, not, it's not going to translate to a sale today. But as you, you know, you no, are, if you want to sell thing- something
1: tomorrow, if you want to sell something tomorrow, this is the wrong book to read. Yep, but if you want to actually build a company, this is the book to read.
0: Yeah, 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 uh, and I think that's what I want to emphasize, emphasize throughout this interview: the fact that uh, this is, uh, in some ways, not a short-term uh, way to. Be, I mean, this is not a, a book for a short-term play. So um, let's let's talk about the next um, idea, which is, or the next process, next step in the process, which is mapping the customer needs to the marketing you provide. I think that's already, right. yeah.
1: Well, what I really what I really talked about there is is format, right? So there's lots of different ways to provide a utility, and so you have to kind of understand not just what customers need, but how your customers prefer to get information ideally. So I'll tell you a story about that. So there's a client that I used to work with years ago called Phoenix Children's Hospital. And Phoenix Children's Hospital created an amazing utility called the Car Seat Helper app. It's a mobile application that tells you what kind of car seat to buy. Because if you've ever bought a car seat any time in the last 10 years, it's really, really confusing because if you go into like the store, a, a big baby store or even a Walmart or Target or whatever, you know, there, there might be 15 or 20 different car seat models on display. And how often do you buy one of those? You're like, I don't even know what the criteria are for a good car seat. And so you end up buying it on price or color, which is not a good way to buy safety equipment ever. Uh, and so they're like, we gotta we gotta solve this problem again as a customer issue, uh, and they thought, okay, well, let's create a mobile app that that fixes this. So you say, what kind of car do you have? Uh, how heavy is your kid? How tall is your kid? Etc. Press a button, and it recommends car seat models to you. Brilliant, right? Hmm. So they could have executed that utility in a number of ways. It could have been a blog post. It could have been a video series. It could have been. Uh, an actual book like a hard copy book that you gave to to pediatricians who gave it to parents when they came in with uh, with young babies uh it could have been a you know a map kind of thing like the Warby Parker one I talked about a minute ago it could have been an event you know come on bring your bring your car seat down in your car to the hospital on Sunday and we're going to have clowns and face painting and popcorn and we're going to make sure you've got a good car seat you could have done that hmm. uh, but they did it as a mobile app because if you are going to buy a car seat, what you all almost assuredly will have in your pocket is your phone. Mm-hmm. So if you do it as a mobile app, the chances that your customer will have the information that they need when they need it is much, much higher. So it's not just about what do you create. In some cases, it's about how you create it. And that's why understanding the media usage and the media habits of your customer is really important. That's why emailing the scores of the little league games to the parents is much better than sending them out as a flyer because by the time they get the flyer, you've already played a bunch more games, etc.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is so important. I mean, we need to understand as entrepreneurs where our customers are, where they are, when they are about to consume this information or, and it may not be what you like, right? Mm. I mean, it's
1: one of the great <laughs> truisms in marketing is, you know who buys ads in tennis magazines tennis racket manufacturers and CMOs who play tennis because they think all their customers play tennis because they play tennis, right? But that's a really bad way to do your marketing.
0: That's great. That's great. So we need to, um, yeah, we need to actually explore and spend time trying to understand where the customer is consuming that information or how they're able to do that and then go about creating this. And I think another idea that um, you talk about is to market your marketing which is the idea that we uh, we need to promote our information more than the company itself.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's so frustrating. This is the one that 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 drives me the craziest consistently um day to day. Like I've worked on a lot of utility strategies now for for clients. And now that the book is popular and out there and people send me case studies and examples and stuff all the time um, what I see consistently is really good utility executions. Like this thing that you made is really good and customers will like it and it's useful. You've done all the things right, but then you just made it, but nobody actually saw it or downloaded it or used it because you just created it and walked away. It's like, well, we made this thing and therefore our work is done and it's not uh, you, you have to treat your marketing like a product, you have to market your marketing so I told you a minute ago about the about the hospital car seat app, so that hospital uh has one and a half people on their marketing team total right that's not a not a big staff mm-hmm. and so when they launched that car seat app, they did facebook ads Google ads. A local PR campaign, a national PR campaign, they emailed it out to all their uh, their database, put it on the homepage of their website, created a, a YouTube video that showed you how to use it, and did two or three other things. And they put all of their effort, they launched it, the same way you would launch a product. They launched a piece of marketing like a product. And what happened? It took off word of mouth, media coverage, it got 400,000 downloads. Hmm. But you have to treat your marketing like a product. Otherwise, it's never really going to have the impact that you need it to have.
0: Yeah. And that, and that, that is fascinating how the hospital went about doing it, because you would think if it's just an app, that it's a free app. So unless, you, I mean, as an entrepreneur, you you don't necessarily know, or unless you have your numbers, it's hard to say, I will spend that much money on getting this pre piece of marketing out but once you have your data once you have your stats then it's easy to do that then it's easy to go about uh, spending or or spending our dollars to market the campaign or market the marketing yeah. itself yeah
1: yeah i totally get it it's uh and it is tricky sometimes because because figuring out the roi in this can be difficult and and can take a while right so you think about from the hospital example all right four hundred thousand people downloaded it uh, a lot of those people aren't even in phoenix so they're never going to be a customer exactly uh, but some of them are uh, some of them are um, assuredly are already customers because they promoted it heavily to their existing customer base mm-hmm. uh, and so it's okay of the people who downloaded it, how many of them are going to visit this hospital instead of a different hospital? Uh, Well, you don't know. And, and most people, unless their kids are are chronically ill, don't go to a hospital very often with their kid. And so it could be years down the road before this pays off. Uh, It isn't always like that. The the payoff isn't always that, that long, Uh, but it, but it can be in some cases. And so I'll tell you the one thing they didn't talk about enough in the book um, is, is that, This kind of marketing takes real courage. Hmm. It's really hard to sit there and say, we're going to make something of actual value and we're going to invest in that because we trust that it will pay off eventually. When somebody else has a different idea that says, or we could just buy more ads right now. Mm -hmm. It takes real courage. And that's why it's not for everybody. Uh, Most of the organizations who have tried it swear by it now uh, but but you have to have some real spine and some real fortitude in your organization to get this kind of thing approved the nice thing is entrepreneurs can usually you know decide to do it and I hope that you will
0: yeah absolutely and I think uh, uh, I, I I would want to make this uh, easier for or some of our listeners to understand that they don't have to spend ad dollars to do the marketing of the uh, to do to more, to market their marketing, no, for example, yeah, for example, this podcast, I can promote it in so many different ways without spending a single dollar, and still play the long game and get the ROI. But still, I have to promote this podcast. It's just not going to find the audience by itself.
1: It's not going to magically find the earball, you know, ears. It doesn't doesn't work like that. You have to let people know.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm, Yeah, yeah. So I think that's the understanding. That's the meta level understanding we need to have. We're playing the long game; it's going to pay off. The res- pay off, and we have to. We're going to have to keep on keeping at it. So yep. Jay, this is this is really awesome. Um, now I want to. Uh, we always say here at Two Thousand Books that there is no learning without action. Yeah, and we have covered a lot of ground in this interview, and maybe. As we look back at this interview, you look back at all these years, you've worked with so many different entrepreneurs and business owners and stuff like that. What are the three specific things, three specific action items you would give to an early stage entrepreneur to put this all into motion?
1: All right, I'm going to tell you three specific things. Uh, the first thing is to atomize your utility. I talk about it a little bit in the book. And, and the notion of atomizing utility is that you take a big idea and you turn it into a lot of smaller ideas also, because it's much more efficient that way. So if you have some sort of key utility execution, uh, you then take that idea and and you make different variations of it in other platforms and other places, so you sort of get more bait in the water, if you will. So for example, in the car seat um, application example, that's the big idea. The small idea uh, that, that helps discuss it, promote it, Uh, repurpose it, atomize it. I mentioned that they have a YouTube video that's kind of a how-to. They did some car seat reviews on a blog, which helps. Uh, They did an Instagram account uh, that featured different car seats. They did an interview series with parents talking about car seats, right? So the, the the big idea was the app, but then they created a bunch of other ideas that not only help promote it, but extend the life of that idea. So that's the best way to do it. Don't think of, of each of these utility ideas as like this giant thing that you have to create and then you walk away until you get to the next one. Take a big idea and then make a lot of small ideas out of it. What we use in our consulting business is something that we call the one to eight rule, which is for every big idea you have like that, you create eight other little things based on it. Uh, mm. and that, that's a good formula for being consistent with that.
0: Great. So break down the break down uh, the big marketing piece into at least eight or even yes. more, atomize it. Okay. That's Great. right.
1: Second uh, action item is to think about utility as a process, not a project. Mm. The problem that I have uh, is that when I talk about this and people read the book or email me, etc., cetera, um, they say, this is great, Jay, I'm super interested in this. We're going to we're gonna get everybody together and we're going to get in a room and we're going to brainstorm some ideas and some things that we can create that our customers will find useful. We're going to have a utility meeting uh, and we're going to come up with some cool stuff. And that's fine. Uh, I'm glad that people are enthusiastic, uh, but what are the chances that the best possible utility idea for your company is going to magically occur during that scheduled meeting? No way. I mean, it's possible. It's mathematically possible, but it's not likely because the Mm -hmm. one thing I've discovered in my long career is that inspiration does not respond to meeting requests. (laughs) Like it's not that, it's not that easy, right? It's yep. not like the Beatles are like, hey, you know what we should do at three o'clock? We should write a hit song. Like it doesn't work like that. Um, and and so what you need to think about is is treat utility like a river that's always flowing through your life, instead of like a lake that you have to get in the car to go visit. And when you do that, when all every day in your business, you're thinking, what can I do that's useful? How can I be more useful? How can I take that other thing and make it more useful? Uh, when you're always kind of keeping it in your head, at some point, the best ideas will just surface, right? You don't have to brainstorm the best ideas. The best ideas will reveal themselves the same way the taxi mic idea revealed itself to me. And and so don't put so much pressure on yourself to sit down and come up with a great utility because it almost never works. If you're thinking utility, the great idea will show itself to you eventually.
0: And that's so true for, for as entrepreneurs, that's a lesson we have to learn very early on in every aspect of business that we're not just going to have one brilliant idea and then execute on it for the rest of our lives. Almost
1: every good idea I've ever had, um, for books, for companies, for anything has just popped into my head. It's, it's almost never when I was like, I should sit down and think of an idea. It just shows up, right? You just have to allow it to show up.
0: And it came as a result of you working hard in that domain for a while. Yeah, exactly. It's all behind the scenes. Yeah. Um,
1: Last action item would be this. Yes, utility can help build your business. I can guarantee it. It's certainly built my business and hundreds or thousands of companies now literally use this philosophy in their marketing every single day. So I know it works uh and it will work for you but i want to also make sure you understand that you can be a utility too hmm. you can be a utility in your business clearly you can be a utility in your church you can be a utility in your kids school you can be a utility in a service organization you can be a utility uh coaching your kids team you can be a utility in anything that you're involved in and i think all of us who are entrepreneurs know people who are a utility. It's the people who 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 you say, you know what, he's really useful. I'd like to spend more time around him. We all know those people, uh and and they make everybody around them better. And because of that, they make everything better. The church is better because that person's involved. The little league team is better because that person's involved. We all know people like that. And I'm guarantee you uh that many of the people who listen to this show are already those utility personalities. Mm. But maybe you want to try and get there, or maybe somebody who works for you needs to try and get there, or maybe your son or granddaughter uh, you think could be one of those special utility personalities. And I'll tell you my last action item, which is how you do it. Every morning, when you wake up, the first thing you do, the very first thing before you get out of bed, before you brush your teeth, before you even check your phone, as soon as you wake up, just lie there for a second and close your eyes and ask yourself one simple question. Just ask yourself every single morning, how can I help? Mm. Do that. It'll change your life and it'll change the life of everybody around you.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. This is great. Um, Jade. This this is this has been so much fun and so much learning and I, th- this question how can I help uh, is something that hopefully we can carry with us or, with ourselves every single day for our lives and uh, I hope be, so. be useful to the to the world. Wow, powerful message, um, Jay! Um, thank you very much for taking the time for this interview. I know you have a bunch of other books. I mean, in the sense, you have a new book that's already out, and you are yeah. working on the new one. So, tell us about what you're working on, what kind of stuff you do, and where can we find you?
1: You bet, thanks so much. Uh, Convinceandconvert.com is my main site. Uh, We've got a uh, fantastic digital magazine with uh, six articles a week on content marketing, social media marketing, digital marketing. We also publish six podcasts each week of our own. Uh, We have a show called Social Pros, a show called Content Pros, Influencer Pros for influencer marketing folks, all kinds of podcasts as well. Um, so convinceandconvert.com is a great place to catch up on all that stuff. My most recent book is called Hug Your Haters, How to Embrace Complaints and Keep Your Customers. And it's essentially the utility philosophy applied to customer service. So whereas utility helps you keep customers, I'm sorry, uh, utility helps you get customers, Hug Your Haters helps you keep the customers you've already earned. Uh, super popular, is doing great, um, and it's fun to talk about customer service and that side of business. Uh, and I'm starting a new one uh, that'll be published next year uh, that's all about customer service heroes. So really interviewing the greatest customer service practitioners in the world and then figuring out what makes them tick. What What is it about them inside that makes them so good at helping others?
0: Wow. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Jay, for, uh, have, for giving your valuable time to our audience today.
1: I really enjoyed it. Super great interview and I love the show.
0: so my ambitious friends have you heard of our 90 day mental toughness course here's the thing Every great thinker, entrepreneur, philosopher, researcher, athlete has come to the same conclusion that mental toughness, the persistence, grit, it's the single biggest indicator and predictor of success in every walk of life. And that is why we have created the 2X Mental Toughness video course. In this course, we summarize 40 of the greatest books on the topic of building mental toughness. You get daily videos and action items on the most important ideas from these books for 19 days every single day. And by the time you're done, you will have a complete tool set of over 90 great ideas to handle life's toughest challenges and keep on going. You will have access to over 10 plus hours of video content in this course. Also, you get access to the clickable mind maps of each of these books so that you can quickly zoom in and zoom out of any idea you really are thinking about or want to dig into. The course goes live on August 15, but you can sign up right now as an early adopter and and get a huge discount the course will be on sale for 99 dollars on august 15 but right now as an early adopter you can get it for only 49 dollars. you can check out the course at 2000books.com slash tough that's t-o-u-g-h tough well until next time my friends go out and live a courageous life